Hello and welcome to Meandering with Myrn, a potpourri of podcast by me, veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. Join me as I ponder any and all things animal and human, what we know and what we don't, where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. Companion-animal interactions may play a critical role in times of human crisis, and some of these may trigger profound changes in the quality of the human-companion-animal bond. While some of these changes may enhance the bond, others may not. In both cases, considering what's going on as it relates to our animals as well as ourselves can be helpful. It also will help prevent counterproductive changes when these events occur. How does this work? During difficult times, we may be more apt to go into survivalist mode. This means that any changes in our interactions with our animals may be more about relieving our own stress than any they may be experiencing too. We don't do this because we don't care for them. It's just that survivalist mode tends to be an egocentric, me-first one. That makes it easier to convince ourselves that the dog or cat will understand why we're acting this way. The more we rely on those specific animal interactions to steady us in times of crisis, the easier taking this approach may be. Crisis-related human-animal interactions fall into two basic categories, routine ones and novel ones. Routine interactions include those we consider must-dos to maintain our animal's basic well-being. Following the death of her husband after a long illness, a former client summed up this orientation like this. Routine activities like feeding, walking, grooming, and play sessions with the dog anchored me, she told me later. They enabled me to deal with the uncertainty that dominated my life. I don't think I could have survived it otherwise. Although the specifics of the daily routines used by those who adopt this approach may vary greatly, All of these activities are characterized by their familiarity. The people who use this approach have engaged in these animal-related activities so often that they can accomplish them with minimal thought. These activities aren't unpredictable, like trying to guess what the future will look like for them and their loved ones in a week or month let alone longer. In such environments, the most mundane activities can serve as reliable reference points for those going through periods of physical and emotional upheaval. Other people prefer novel animal interactions to help relieve their stress during difficult times. These may include taking the dog for outings in new locations, perhaps a hike on an unfamiliar trail, or a visit to a dog-friendly park they never visited before. Consider the case of Lila. 
Lila normally engages in all kinds of novel interactions with or for her animals. She takes her dog to all kinds of classes because she finds these so enjoyable. She also enjoys attending seminars where she learns skills that she uses to make all kinds of things for the feline member of her household. Few things give her more pleasure than ensuring he has a constant supply of new toys she made and structures she built to keep him busy. Well, except maybe touting the many virtues of environmental enrichment for house cats. Lila uses this approach because she finds routine animal interactions boring under the best of circumstances. When circumstances cut her off from her normally quite active, animal-related social activities, she finds those same animal-oriented routines boring to the point of painful. Instead of finding comfort in those animal interactions, she sees these as evidence of her failure. When she's not engaging in all those activities, she feels like she's letting her best friends down. How animals respond to human coping strategies in times of crisis may vary depending on the kinds of interactions their people had with the animals prior to the stressful period. For many animals, the continuity of basic human connections, such as feeding, walking, grooming, etc., also serve as reliable reference points. These communicate that, that no matter how much else is going on in their people's lives, their people will provide basic care for them. The same holds true for animals used to sharing owner-oriented novel environments and activities. The concept of routine novelty may seem like an oxymoron to some. But for those people and animals for whom such events make up a routine part of their interactions, it's not. When analyzing the quality of our human-animal interactions in times of crisis, we also need to consider two other factors that manifest at these times motivation, and emotional contagion. In a very small nutshell, motivation is the reason why we and other animals do what we do. An emotional contagion is the nonverbal message we send to others when we do it. Most of us never think about these unless something happens that calls our attention to them. In our previous examples, my client always enjoyed those routine activities with her dog. She always perceived these times together as special for both of them. These were the ways they communicated their mutual love and trust. Consequently, when my client's life changed dramatically and for the worst, those basic activities stabilized them both. I learned early in our relationship that the dog could pick up on my emotions, just like my kids when they were little. So I did the same thing for him as I did for the kids. I faked not being anxious around him until not being anxious became normal for me, she told me. 
Sure, sometimes it's harder than others, but I do it because as little islands of peace in our daily life mean so much to both of us. But although this worked for her, it probably wouldn't work for those like Lila, whose relationships with their animals are motivated by the novelty of the activities they share and the joy these bring to them and to their animals directly or indirectly. In this situation, the ability to provide this human-animal stability in times of crisis means doing your homework. Or, as the old saying reminds us, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Even if everything settles down and life returns to pre-crisis normal as we remember it, it's better to learn from the experience than deny that something comparable could happen again. When we experience a crisis, we judge our options based on what we did before and how we did it. For example, prior to her COVID-19 quarantine, Lila knew nothing about online courses and using meeting software. Moreover, she had no desire to learn. But she had to master at least the basics of this form of communication during the crisis because so many of the services she did use were only available online. Now she uses these new skills to locate little-known trails in dog-friendly parks and conservation areas she and her dog could visit. Her new skills also helped her discover online classes of all kinds where she could learn new techniques that would add even more variety to her ongoing feline environmental enrichment goal. Not only did Lila find her research rewarding, She wound up with a list of options with their related links that she could use when her preferred activities were unavailable for some reason. Because she felt motivated to do this to help her pets instead of moping around, that changed the emotional message she communicated to them. And that, in turn, improved the quality of the bond they shared with each other. You've been listening to a podcast by veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. For more podcasts, commentaries and books about animal behavior and the human-animal bond, and links to behavior and bond sites, check out my website at www.mmilani.com. For more specific information, Feel free to email me at mm at mmilani.com. All rights related to the content of these podcasts are retained by Myrna Milani. The background music, Molly on the Shore by Percy Granger, is used with permission from Katova Arts, www.katova.com.